Luke chapter 4, and we will read from verse 16. Before I read, uh, this is when God uh, started this church. Um, this is a foundational scripture that God gave us in this church that we, uh, you could say this scripture is the beginning of, is part of the beginning of this church. This scripture is the vision of this church. This scripture is what God spoke to us in the reason starting this church. And it's what we have been fulfilling as a church walking out as a church and believing to see more and more that this scripture would be fulfilled in every way in our church, in every ministry, in every department, in everything that we do, that we would see the fulfillment of this scripture. Now this scripture, it says in verse 16, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So he grew up there. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, before we actually read what he read or what he said, which is written in the book of Isaiah, it's interesting, there's already so much revelation before we even get to this verse. Jesus walks in to the synagogue, which he would do as a custom on every Sabbath. But on this Sabbath, it was a certain Sabbath. This Sabbath was a Sabbath that Jesus would tell of himself who he is and why he came to the world. Now, they knew him as a man that was from Nazareth, son of Joseph, blah, 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 blah. They knew, they knew this is where he was brought up. This is where he grew up. But he comes into the synagogue and they're about to see something they have not seen yet. And I think what's interesting is I want you to picture this. Jesus stands up to read. He's given the book. He doesn't choose the book. He's given the book. And when he's given the book and he's standing up to read, he, the very word of God, is opening up the word of God to the ones that are in attendance. One more time. He, the very word of God, is opening up the word of God to those that are in attendance. You know, one of the reasons for our gathering and the reason of us opening up this word every time we gather here on Sunday, we can sing, we can pray, but it's so crucial to open up the word when we are together. Because in opening up the word, what's actually happening in this story before Jesus even begins to read is he is the word that's about to be revealed unto them. The power of the word is this, this is not just a historical book. This is not just letters on paper. This is not just something that we traditionally believe and have convinced ourselves it's the word of God. This is the living word of God. It's living and active. It's changing our life. It's working in our life. And the power of this word is that in this world, the son of God, Jesus Christ, is revealed. He's not revealed through fairy tale stories. He's not revealed just through me talking. He's revealed through the word of God because when we read the word, the Holy Spirit gives witness to the word. And Jesus is standing in the synagogue opening the word up, but he's revealing himself unto them. We've missed it if we just come to church to listen. We must hear. 
Because if we hear, we'll begin to see that this is not just scripture. This is living bread unto us. It's Jesus being revealed as we open up these pages. The word is standing before them. And he's reading himself unto them. They have now been able, if they would just see, to put a face on the scripture that they're about to read. In fact, the Holy Spirit is not just going to watch Jesus do this, is going to give complete evidence to the fact that what he's saying is true. And when he walks out of this synagogue, y'all about to see people get raised from the dead, people get healed, people get cast out and free, people get raised up, people get... You're about to see the evidence of the word that he's about to speak because the Holy Spirit is giving evidence to the fact that Jesus is very much the one who I've anointed, who I've called, and is about to do the things that he's talking about. Listen, it's great for us to talk about the word of God and preach the word of God, but we are in a time where the world is waiting to see that which we preach. When Jesus walked out, he didn't keep reciting verses and keep reciting the scripture that he, that he read in the temple. He began to do that for which he came, and the Holy Spirit came upon him and and rested on him when he was baptized and all of a sudden people are getting set free people are getting saved people are encountering the person of Jesus getting set free from demons getting healed of sickness getting raised from the dead and the power of God is moving because the Holy Spirit is upon him yeah. Jesus begins to read the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he's anointed me. But here is what the anointing is for. When Jesus talked about being one who leads or being a leader among the people, he said your leadership is not that you would lord over the people with your leadership or the authority that I've given you, but your leadership is for this, to get on your knees and begin to wash the feet of those that you serve. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm your master and I'm your Lord, but I came not to lord myself over you, though I am your master, but I came to serve you. And in the, in the same way when I leave, you will serve those that God has placed in your life. The anointing is not for your name. The anointing is not for the stage. The anointing is not for holding a mic. The anointing is for this, to serve those that I've put in your life. And Jesus says, listen, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me not to preach good messages, not to lead a big movement, not to have a lot of followers on Instagram, not that people would know my name. The 
Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me that people that are dead would be, would be, would be back to life. People that are lost would be found. People that are sick would be healed. People that don't know who they are would come to know who they are. People that are oppressed by Satan, I would set them free. People that are binded by him, I would release them. This is what the anointing is for. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me. And this is the anointing of God on my life. People that are lost will be found. People that are dead will come back to life. People that have no hope will have it. People that are bound, tied up, addicted, people that don't have any kind of future, I will begin to release, break, open the door, and set the captive free to proclaim the year, the acceptable year of the Lord. Now this is good news because the acceptable year of the Lord started from that moment and has not ceased. For the church, every year is a good year. Tell your neighbor, this, year, this year's a good year. And tell your neighbor, next year's gonna be even better. Every year is a good year for us. Hey. Every year is a good year for us. From the moment that he came and he accomplished what he did, when he came to the earth and he, listen, when he came to the earth before he even hung on the cross, people were already getting set free. People are already getting released. People are already getting healed. Why? Because he came. And as soon as he came, the year of the Lord began. It began because he came. And now that he finished his work, the year of the Lord continues. It's an acceptable year. Tell your neighbor it's a good year. Some of you don't want to be obedient. It's been a, been a hard year, George. It's been a hard year. It's a good year. When it won't be a good year for, econom for our economics, it'll be a good year for the church. When it won't be a good year for finding a job, it'll be a good year for the church. When it's not a good financial year, it'll be a good year for the church. When it's not a good year for the nation, it'll be a good year for the church because Jesus finished his work and we are not dependent upon how the world is doing or its, or, or its current status. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose. And every year now is a good year for the church. Every year is a good year to preach the gospel. Every year is an opportunity for the church to do what God has called it to do. Every year. With the time that we have left, worship team, you guys can take the stage. I'm going to stay here instead of going on to the next thing. Our advantage is the fact that the Holy Spirit is upon us. Jesus said, 
may I remind you, Jesus said, it's better that I leave. That word better, one of the meanings of that word is it's to your advantage. When a person has an advantage, it's kind of not fair. But Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I leave. Because when I leave, I will talk to the Father, I will ask the Father that he would send the Holy Spirit upon you. If we study carefully the life of Jesus, literally from his conception all the way to his resurrection, he did not do anything without the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, hear me out, sometimes we use the excuse, yeah, but it was Jesus. Yeah, but it was Jesus. Like, I know he wants me to do this, I know he wants me to step out, but listen, that was Jesus. In Philippians chapter two, what it tells us about Jesus that we talk about is that though he was God, he humbled himself as a man. This is very important because that means the way that he lived his life, he did not use his godly attributes or qualities to live according to them, but he lived as a man who humbled himself and became obedient to death and death on the cross, which means that everything that he did, he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit, not his godly attributes. This is really important, you gotta hear this. Everything that Jesus did, he did by and through the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit come upon him. We see the Holy Spirit lead him to the wilderness. We see the Holy Spirit come, come on him in power when he leaves the wilderness. We see the Holy Spirit speaking through him, touching people through him, prophesying through him, healing through him, raising the dead through him. He is not using his godly attributes for us to not say, oh, it was Jesus. He was a man who humbled himself and it was the Holy Spirit that was using him in everything that he was doing. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Bible says that the same Spirit the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is not just upon you, it's in you. The same Holy Spirit is in you. The reason this church is here is because the Holy Spirit started a work. The reason this church will continue to be here is because the Holy Spirit continues to do His work. And the reason we will accomplish the, the fact that, the God, that God placed this church here is because we will submit our life to the Holy Spirit. It cannot just be my education. It cannot just be my 10 years in church. It cannot just be I serve in five ministries. It cannot just be I got relatives that are pastors in this church. It cannot just be my, Christ, my family's Christian and I got born into this church. It cannot be anything other than the Holy Spirit upon your life to make this scripture fulfilled in your life. This is why our church is here. 
because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us and He's anointed us. For what reason? To have good Sunday services? He's anointed us to preach the good news to the poor. He's, uh, he's anointed us because there's people that are sick that need to be healed. He's anointed us because there's people that are lost that need to be found. He's anointed us because there's people that are bound by the devil that we need to preach to and witness to that they'd be released from those chains. He anointed us because there's people that are oppressed by the devil, oppressed by this life, oppressed by their sin, oppressed by condemnation. And I have been anointed that they would be released. Anybody can worship and preach in a church like this. But God is calling us out. After this, Jesus walked out of the temple, leaving everybody confused about what he just did. And he began to go to those that needed him more. This week we have our Celebration of Light event. Many people ask why we do that on Halloween. Do we celebrate Halloween? There's a reason we call it the Celebration of Light. On the day that people celebrate darkness, we choose to celebrate light. You know, you'd be shocked how many of your neighbors dress their kids up only so that they're not a weird parent because everybody else dresses their kids up. You'd be shocked how many parents just do the whole trick-or-treating thing so that they don't get pointed at and condemned by their parents. You don't celebrate this national holiday and they just do it because the whole hood's doing it. But if you were to step out of your boat this week and go to a neighbor and get him, a, give him you, know, you don't even have to say much. You know, if, if you feel like you can't talk like Moses, you can just give them the card that we made. And then walk away. And I, I, think, I think because of your sincereness, they will, they'll come just based out, based out of curiosity. What is this going on that this guy can't even talk about? This must be good. And you give a person the card and all of a sudden they're showing up to our church with their kids because they don't feel like doing the whole trick-or-treating thing. They don't feel like dressing their kids up and spending a bunch of money. They'll come here to only witness people that are not celebrating darkness but celebrating light and their kids aren't just leaving with candy, their kids are leaving with Jesus. We have to continue, continue to be reminded why we're here. Jesus understood clearly, and he displayed it through his entire life. And in privacy, in privacy with his disciples, he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to serve. We will always be complete. We will always be, let me say this like this. We will always be a little bit, maybe a lot of bit, unsatisfied until we begin to see the purpose for which we are here. And until we begin to walk out the purpose for which we are here. Money will never be enough. 
New promotions will never be enough. The next house will never be enough. Another car will never be enough. The 67th vacation will never be enough. But if I begin to walk in the purpose for which God saved my life, and I begin to see his word fulfilled through my life, there will nothing, there'll be nothing that gives me more satisfaction and more joy and more peace and more good attitude to wake up and go to my day because there's somebody that God is putting in my path that he wants me to be a light to, to witness to, and that anointing, listen, that anointing, if you, if you keep asking for the anointing or you keep asking for the Spirit of the Lord to lead you or come upon you, you'll be surprised that when you go to a person who has need, how the Holy Spirit begins to move through you. Go to where there is need and watch how the anointing has use now. The anointing of God will begin to flow to, through us when we begin to understand why we're here, why this church is here, and what God's called us to do. We can stand to our feet since you're so excited. first read this passage my wife and I were reading this last night it's in Joshua chapter 10 from verse 40 are you ready to pray ask your neighbor are you ready to pray we're gonna be ready to pray after this verse. So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country and the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza and all the country of Goshen even as far as Gibeon all these kings and their land Joshua took at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal now this, this is just the beginning watch this in chapter 11 now the, now the northern parts in verse 12, all the cities of these kings and all their kings, Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He destroyed all of them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazor only, which Joshua burned. And all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took for themselves 
but they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them and they left nothing breathing. As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Maybe somebody's confused, or what are you telling me to do to my neighbors in my, my neighborhood? Joshua is a foreshadow of Christ in the Old Testament. And Israel is a foreshadow of the church in the Old Testament. Now, I don't want us to focus on all these people they were destroying. If we started getting into what these nations around Israel were doing and the gods they were serving and the kids that they were giving uh, unto sacrifice and everything else, you'd be pretty shocked at what they were doing. But this is a foreshadow of the complete victory that God has granted his people. Every place in our city, every place in our neighborhoods, every place in our workplace, every place in our school, every place in this region, every place in this state, God wants to give to us as our territory. Now what's crazy is that the southern parts and the northern parts all at one time, one there and one here, were defeated and God gave them victory over everything that was coming against them. No matter what comes against you or your family or your church, no matter what comes against your kids or your family or your marriage, no matter what comes against us and the work God has called us to do, God has given us through Christ victory in every part of this life, in every area of our life. I began to see when I was reading this that every kind of demonic oppression, every kind of demonic strategy, every kind of demonic bondage, everything the devil's trying to do in our city, everything the devil's trying to do through drug addiction, through sex trafficking, through every avenue of destroying people's lives, God has given the church victory over every area if we would only go there and begin to do what God's anointing was meant to do. But we're too busy enjoying our worship, too busy enjoying sermons, too, in, too busy enjoying new songs, too busy listening to more sermons. God has given us his spirit and he's anointed us, not for us just to have a heyday on Sunday morning, but for us to begin to step into places that we have not stepped into before when the week starts. This is just a reboost for your Monday, not, you just, not for you just to be receiving everything you need and going to live the way you want. We are here because there's people God has placed around us that don't know who he is yet. There are people groups that we have not stepped foot into yet. There are issues in our, in our society that we have not stepped into. There are things happening with teenagers in our schools we have not stepped into. There's things happening in neighborhoods we have not stepped into. There's sex trafficking happening we have not stepped into. But God grants his people victory in every single area if Joshua would just begin to go. spirit we need we need you not just to encounter you here we need you that your power will be on us through this week we need you that we would walk being led by you Holy Spirit that your anointing we thank you that it's on us and it's on us for a reason and as a church God we position ourselves before you there are things happening here 
it, not, even, not even across the ocean, not even across another state boundary line. There are things happening in this zip code that if we found out about, we would be shocked. If we found out about, we would not sleep. We would be, we would be weeping. We'd be crying out because Satan is working, working to destroy people's lives, working to destroy God, this area, working to destroy neighborhoods and families and children and teenagers. But you have placed us here and your spirit, God, is upon us and you have anointed us not just to be here on Sunday, but to do what you called us to do every day of the week. Come on, your neighbor can't pray for you. You gotta begin to pray. You gotta begin to cry out. God is calling us. God is calling us in this time.